ti lo que viniera de ti. Welcome to the Inside the Journey podcast. This is episode number 69 for Sunday, September 7th, 2014. I'm Nelson DeWitt. And today I am talking with my mother and author, Margaret Ward. It's great to have you. Yes, yeah, nice to be back. Today we're going to be talking about creating a compelling narrative. So this uh, Saturday, we will be, this Friday and Saturday, we are going to be going to Aurora. New York, which is in upstate New York, and we're going to be sharing our work on uh, my mother's book and on our film. And the theme of, of our talks is going to be how do we tell a compelling narrative from this very complicated story? And that's what we're going to do today's podcast about. So I thought we'd, we'd start uh, with talking about the fact that this is a complicated story. So how do you take this this narrative with all these moving parts and, and create something that gets people to sit and pay attention? And we're going to talk about the work that my mother has done in her book and the work that we're doing in, in the film. But that's, that's where we're going to start. So I guess I'll ask you, Mom, uh, mm-hmm. what was your approach? How did you, you know, where did you, how did you even begin to tackle this, uh, this, this, chore of, of um, creating well, a story, a narrative out of this. With difficulty, but I think one of the things that helped me get started and began to have me be able to give it some shape, I mean, you know, it takes a while, but to get started, I thought about, you know, who's my audience, you know, who, who am I telling the story for? Who am I telling it to? And I think my original motivation, uh, and we have been telling this verbally to friends and relatives and so forth for many years before I thought I need to write a book. <laughs> and I thought at first that I was going to tell how Dad and I in particular had experienced the adoption and the reunion and you know the rediscovery and reunion parts of the story to get that down to to go back and and consult things i had written at the time to be more accurate than maybe you know it was kind of a joke between your father and myself that that he would embellish the story you know <laughs> and that it was getting changed it was it was even more dramatic than it had been you know and it was wanting to sort of get the get the record fairly straight and and have it uh, be understandable for um, your brothers and sisters and maybe cousins the younger you know also then the younger generation coming along down in Central America those who could read English because I wasn't going to be able to write this in Spanish so that's kind of what got me started is that I had an audience in mind now the book and you know, it, it was a process, so it turned out to be not entirely different. That was really ended up being only the first three chapters. But that enabled me to get started. And I think that sometimes the difficulty is it's you have a, a hard time. You have a complicated story. You maybe have a lot of materials. I mean, the kind of materials you work with in the film is different from what I work with in the book. But you have a certain amount of source material. 
And then you need to imagine, well, who am, who am I writing this for? Who am I making the film for? Who's going to watch this? What do I need to provide for them to understand what I think I understand? So, and that's how I got started. But it, it changed in the course of time. It became yeah. a much broader story and, in fact, more complicated. But, yeah. you know, it helped to start small and to say, okay, I'm trying to just make sure that we don't, um, even while we want it to be compelling and we know it's compelling and we want to tell it in a way that people will, I also wanted it, I wanted it to be as close to the truth as I could, could be. Hmm. You know? I think it's uh, good for our listeners to kind of explain that there are, you know, what these different parts are. And, and, you know, we, we mentioned in the introduction that this is a complicated story, but yes. maybe we should talk about how complicated it is. Mm -hmm. And I think okay. that the chapters of your book outline this very well. You know, the first mm -hmm. chapter is the adoption and then mm -hmm. comes the rediscovery and then mm -hmm. the reunion and then my Yeah, and those are very far stories. apart in time, yeah. you know, they're yeah. very far apart in time. They're 14 years between the adoption and the rediscovery. So, you know, there's this time gap and then this reinsertion of the drama um, in, in 1983, uh, sorry, in 1997. Mm. You know, so you have 1983, then 1997, and, and that's a big gap in time. You've got to imagine the characters having changed over that time. So, so we have these, you know, the, the different parts of the, the book and all, and the story as well that, that, you know, and each uh, chapter of the book and our lives kind of had its own drama and its own uh, right. uh, details to it. So the adoption was unique and then the rediscovery was quite a shock for our family and then the reunion was you know this moment of sort of overwhelming joy and mm -hmm. and then as this as our time together with uh, with my birth family um, increased we learned more about what their experience was and that added right. a whole nother layer to the story exactly and that's why the second part of my book I call the first part those first three chapters our story because it really is it gives the arc of how we experience those dramatic uh, changes in our lives and then the the second part really begins in around 2004 2005 when I decided to to write the book you know and and we had discovered much more but then I was probing even more I was finding out more because because I wanted uh, to deepen my understanding of what had happened to us. And that's why I call that second part their stories, because much more, you know, we knew each other better and much more came out. So that's another whole time period and another whole experience and another whole set of emotions. And it, I was able to frame things differently because I was open to listening to their stories and I was in a position to receive them that maybe I hadn't been back in 1997 you know? so that that's another whole whole cluster and then I'm thinking about your film which really gets started in 2010 2011 
particularly in the spring of 2011 when you go with John to El Salvador to, to film. That's another whole set of experiences in a different in a different time in your life so that I often reiterate the film that you're making is not a film of my book <laughs> you know it's a it's a different it's a different take and you're the the controlling narrative voice in that film you see what I mean yeah I am it's a different um... I don't want to say a different style, but it, it gets into the different mediums and how you tell mm -hmm. a story uh, mm -hmm. in, in written form versus in, in film form. And bef yeah. before we get into those distinctions and differences, one thing that came up while you were talking is, uh, in my mind, is the fact that we are both starting the story from the personal side. You know, the, the book is your journey into in the adoption of me and our family together. And mm -hmm. in the film, it's my personal journey to understand what happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's that aspect of it, which I think is, is where a lot of the compelling drama, um, you know, the highs and the lows come in. But then there's this whole other side to it where if you really want to understand what's happening and why all of this stuff happened mm -hmm. you need to understand the historical context of the country and the region sure why it matters why it and matters. of course when yeah. yeah and when you say the region you very soon find out oh it isn't just El Salvador, it's the whole map of Central America, you have to have some sort of understanding. And then, you know, Latin America and the relationship between the United States and these countries over many, many years. Okay, and, and so, you know, the, the canvas becomes much broader. And yet it is the, the personal, emotional core um, that I think draws people in, makes them willing to consider the broader picture, which isn't necessarily easy to understand. Um, if, if they didn't have the connection to the individual and that individual's emotion, uh, maybe they would just be turned off by the, by the larger larger portrait or larger canvas. I think canvas is probably a good word for it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of my, my question. How did you attempt to resolve that? You know, the, mm -hmm. you have this historical component, which I don't want to say is boring, but it's, it, it's very detailed. And unless right. you're a history buff, then most people aren't yeah. excited by it. So how yeah. do you present this set of factual information alongside a, a very powerful personal narrative? How do, you, how do you blend the two? Well, obviously in the book, in a book form, you, you have a lot more opportunities to expand and deepen. And one of the ways I, I don't want to say resolve that, but that it, that it turned out <laughs> was that Instead of doing A to Z, in other words, you know, a timeline from uh, 
1930 to 2011, okay, and setting our story in that timeline. Um, I do move around within that and and try to always sort of keep keep my presence, my own struggle with trying to understand how your family was a part of a historical process, you know, what so that I like to think that even the historical chapter um, is simultaneously telling the history but but doing it with characters who who people already care about in the book. You know, by the time I get to the chapter four that really has the the meat of the historical material, and then chapter five, where I actually go over some of the same historical material again in a different way as I'm trying to interrogate through my imagination your mother, uh, what her motivations might have been, and so forth. So, so you know, I'm always sort of a presence there, and I kind of think you do that in the film, as I understand it, as I see it, your film developing, with the with the moments where you have yourself just on camera reflecting on what is just what you've just shown. That draws the viewer back to to you and your personal emotion. It keeps them going and willing to, you know, to deal with. You're not just putting dry facts. It's mm. it it really is a kind of a weaving between the the personal and your own reaction to those facts and how your story is a part of it, you know? It's not separate from it, it's embedded in it. Yeah, and I mean, this is, I think this is a great uh, segue into the other uh, discussion point that we wanted to talk about, which is the differences between written storytelling mm -hmm. and, and film storytelling. And I think yeah. that, this historical context is one thing that we struggle with in the film, and uh, it's not—it's not a struggle to understand what happened. It, it's a struggle to understand how you relate it to the personal, as you're saying, mm -hmm. because a mm -hmm. lot of documentary films that talk about El Salvador have this very narrow context of saying. Uh, of talking about the war as a singular entity that happened within El Salvador. And we want to broaden the lens and, and, and zoom out as it were, and take a look at the region and say, wait a minute, no, this story is happened within the context of, of everything that was going on in the region. Mm -hmm. But zooming the lens out that far, you, you start to lose that that personal yes. story, you, mm -hmm. you know, is because in the the challenge is that you know I didn't grow up understanding everything that that happened in the region. I don't I don't think uh, you did either. You know, no. I mean, I learned a lot by this. the process of trying to write the book. Right. <laughs> no. So then, then how do you kind of relate that back to an audience who, let's assume, knows nothing about? about anything right. that happened in the region. You know, that, right. that's at the core is the challenge of, of uh, the historical part of our film. Yeah. 
Yeah, there are no. I don't think there's simple answers to this, um, but you do have to somehow keep a balance and also keep keep in mind that you're not a specialist in this. You know that that it is complex. You don't want to give um, white hats, black hats. You know, you you want to have room for nuance, even in a film. Okay, you want to make it understandable. You have a point of view. But you want to make it clear that that is your point of view. I mean, I in the book I repeatedly do go back into these reflective moments. I have them in the prologue, in the epilogue, and scattered through the book, where I kind of sort of am telling the story and and placing it in the historical context, and then I say, it's really difficult 25 years after the fact to even know what I knew then or what I thought then about these matters. You know, I mean, you know, to have a little humility <laughs> about about a, a sort of self-criticism that that you embed in that that reflective moment. And I think you can do that in the film. I think actually what I've seen of of, of the film, you you do that actually pretty well. You're not trying to say I'm the expert. I know all about it. I know how all these things fit together in the Cold War context, and you know uh, what this has to do with Argentina and blah blah blah. I mean, you can you can relate it, but you you know your limitations, and you know the limitations of your medium. You know, I I say I'm not an investigative journalist. I'm not writing as a historian. I use their work, and I and I and I try to make sure that I'm careful about my use of sources, but that I write as an adoptive mother. I mean, you know, that that's sort of the perspective that I bring to it. So yeah, it's a it's a balancing act, and it's not easy. Yeah, and and in the in the writing, you get a much longer. Uh, yes. <laughs> You know, you get much more time with the audience yes. to to yes. dig into these nuances. What you do in uh, three chapters, we do in in five and a half minutes. Yeah, I know. You know, and and that that's the difference. And the main difference between the sort of narrative and the film is that yes, in the narrative you get to really explore all of these different aspects you know your point of view tom's point of view mm -hmm. uh, my point of view um my family's point of view but in the film you you see the emotion you yes it, it's much mm -hmm. more visceral yeah visceral more, really is a it's yeah. a good word and you know there are great advantages that film has i mean obviously i'm i'm someone who's always been interested in literature so for me i can't imagine myself making a film <laughs> but um, it, it's a different. It's a very different set of materials that you have to work with. And of course, we always say, you know, a, a picture, is, you know, is worth a thousand words. Um, of course, that can also distort. So, you know, it's um, it has great advantages, but it has some disadvantages too. You know. Um, and I see you struggling to, um, you know, be truthful about your own feelings. And, and I think uh, that's what I admire the most about what you're doing with the film is that I would, it was difficult enough for me to write about some of these things. Um, 
but to to actually sort of be on screen and be an on-screen presence and 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 lay bare your your feelings that that's very difficult and yet you come across in my mind as you know it's very genuine it's not it's not uh, artificial and i think that your audience is, uh, will respond to that as they're already responding to that and that what you need to be most careful about then is how you handle the historical material. And I know you and John are struggling with that, but you'll find a way. Can you tell me a little bit, I've got to turn the tables a little bit here, can you tell me a little bit about um, how you resolved the, the stru overall structure of the film? I know you have five acts. What we're, what we're trying to do with the film is we have these five acts that reflect Loosely, the timeline that we had in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, you can almost think of it as um, day one, two, three, four, and five, but we're mixing up the timeline a little. Mm -hmm. So, the first act is introducing my story, which mm -hmm. takes place, as I said, in about five and a half minutes. And then from there, we go into the first day of. Um, this week in El Salvador where I'm, I'm sitting with my family in my aunt's living room and I'm showing them, you know, what we're working on and I'm asking them, what do you want to say? What do you want people to know about this story? Because it is yours mm -hmm. as, as much as it is mine. And so that, that's kind of the entire first act is just getting to know the story, me being introduced to the, uh, to the big picture. Then from there, we go into meeting and connecting with other disappeared children. Mm -hmm. And this, this act two, I think is, is been giving us the, the most, uh, has been the most challenging because we're trying to talk about and explain what, what does it mean to be disappeared? Yeah. You know, that, that in, essence is what that that second um act is about it's trying to establish what does it mean to be disappeared what does it mean when, when you you know and and i'm not going to go into that in the podcast no, but you know no. just even that question yeah it's a big and you right. know, i mean for me that part comes as my last chapter chapter six and yeah that was a very difficult chapter for me yeah. to decide you know which stories, how many, how to relate them to your story. Mm. You know, what does the word disappeared mean? It took me a long time to, to really accept the fact that you were disappeared. That at least from the perspective of your family, you you were part of that, okay? Of of the disappearances that occurred, okay? Yeah. You know, I kind of held that at arm's length. I didn't I didn't really like the word. And and it took me a long time to sort of accept it. And I can understand that that's probably the hardest part to, you know, to piece together to figure out how to present. Mm. Because of course, each individual that you interview who is a disappeared has an individual story as complicated as yours, probably. And they're different. I mean, they're the same and they're different. You know, yeah. they belong in the same picture in that big canvas. And it's important for us to know more about that. But yes, they're not all the same, okay? And so I'm sure that that's, that's tricky. And if you yeah. want to broaden it to the issue of disappearances in general as a, as a uh, way of terrorizing 
populations. And the way that was used in Latin America in general in the 1970s and 80s, I mean, that's a big picture. <laughs> that's a really big right. picture. Right. And uh, I think that's that's the the writing challenge and doing yeah. that within eight to ten minutes, you know, incre right. incredibly difficult. Uh, so that's act two. From there, act three is about the actual day of the disappeared, which is uh, which took place on March 29th in 2011, where we went to the presidential uh, palace and we had a breakfast with the president and his wife and he gave a speech to all of us and then he then we went to an arena uh, and he gave a, a more public speech to 20 to 30,000 school children uh, you know essentially apologizing for the atrocities of war and and for these forced disappearances so that's kind of what what the third act is about and then from there we go into the countryside act four is it's an interview with someone who is still searching for their loved ones so there this woman's two sisters were taken and are disappeared and she's searching for them and so we're trying to understand what does that mean to the families to have someone missing for all these years mm -hmm. and that was just incredibly powerful interview and and there's so much you can do with that because you hear what the opposition says about you know what what the families of the disappeared want and then you listen to her and there's this this huge disconnect and it's sort of you know hopefully we'll be able to present it in a way that it makes the audience really question this situation and then finally uh the fifth act is going to the memory wall which is a bit like the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C., and there are 30,000 names of people who died or disappeared during the war. And uh, I'm, I'm going to, to visit the name of my birth mother. And, you know, I, the, the Act 5 is me talking about what that means and, and learning a little bit about my, my birth mother. And what uh, her experience was like. And you do something similar in chapter uh, four, five of, five. of your book. In fact, yeah. five, yeah. Uh, but it's different. And, and I think it's, it's actually, a, again, it kind of gives you your, the film. Um, you know, my book has a prologue and an epilogue. And to me, the, the arc of your film also has that very personal beginning with your family and that very personal ending you know bringing it back to you the narrative voice um, at the end after the exploration in the in the middle of this larger context that that we only get access to because of you huh? so I think that's that you know it, it rounds it out all of these things, I say, giving giving something with this many threads and this much disparate material, even though for you, of course, because the footage you have is fairly limited to that week that you you know were filming in El Salvador, it gives you the base for the structure. In my book, I <laughs> I have you know so many different kinds of materials my own journal, you know, your blog, uh, 
the, the things that your family had written. It's, there was a richness of material, so thanks goodness I wasn't doing a film. Thank goodness I was doing a book where I could embed. I mean, you have some advantages that you say, okay, this is the material that we shot, you know, that we have. And it seems to me you have an arc, and that it's a very good structure to, to bring it very much back to the personal level at the end. I think the audience will appreciate that. Yeah. And I, and I think that the challenge is that the writing for the film has to be so concise. What you do in three chapters, we do in five minutes, you know, and, and you have to move the audience through that arc. So it's a bit like taking your entire chapter devoted to the history of El Salvador and condensing it into three to five minutes and, and at the same time making it personal. And, and those, you know, th that's kind of the challenge. The writing has to be, crisp to the point you're not wasting any time and and you know no tangents no tangents <laughs> yes no tangents i mean um i don't doubt that it's difficult but i think um it's an opportunity you know see it as an opportunity to uh, be crisp <laughs> you know to use uh, to use less to do more, uh, but to try to to stick to a to a truth, um, to not exaggerate. <laughs> you know, I anyway. I'm hopeful, <laughs> John. I hope you're listening. <laughs> so I thought. Um... A great way to end this this podcast is to end with uh, the reading that you're going to uh, do in Aurora this weekend, which I think kind of sums up at its core what this story is about. So if you mm -hmm. could read that for us, that that would be that would sure. Be great. And I'll, I'll just introduce it a little bit. It's funny because I was thinking about how this really. Um, it's again, it's different. It's the written word. It's from my prologue, which I call Dalila's Hammock, San Salvador, El Salvador, February 2005. I was there in the same house where you're filming at the beginning of your film, where you're interviewing the the family about you know their thoughts, and where Dalila also, your aunt Dalila also speaks rather emotionally about Mama Chila. Um, and so the, there's a little bit of a similarity. It's it's a moment where I'm there. I'm thinking about writing the book. I'm interviewing members of the family, um, and and I'm reflecting on the difficulty of shaping this. And this is at the very end of oh, it's about a, a four-page prologue, and this is just like the final paragraphs. The Chilean American novelist Isabel Allende has suggested that memory is a mental process somewhat akin to imagination. It is conditioned by emotion. We remember better and more fully things that move us. We thus tend to give our narratives more color, but we are thereby also liable to create a private legend. Taking that risk, I believe these threads deserve to be joined in a variegated tapestry that will inevitably be as much familial legend as it is history. I have a strong sense that this multifaceted story that relies on the memories of others as well as my own 
can only be held together by my unfolding emotional truth. The book contains inconsistencies that remain unresolved and gaps that remain unfilled, as well as intentional generic dissonances. These features may jar some readers, but I need to let them be as they are, part and parcel of a whole journey of discovery and self-discovery. Despite the contradictions and gaps, at its core, the story I have to tell relies on a recognizable pattern, one that even resembles literary fiction. It is a tale of love and loss, yet one whose trajectory moves from disappearance to recovery, from anguish over death to solace in life. In a world where the conflicts of the day on every continent challenge the last bit of optimism we might muster, it seems worthwhile to recall a story that ultimately restores hope. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you so much for, for joining us, Mom. Okay, I enjoyed it, and I look forward to our events this coming weekend. Yeah, and thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time.